<clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. I was like, why? Like, well, how did this get to this point? And my mom that and you I don't speak the language. Yeah, like any of them. And I remember sitting with my mom and we like had like an hours long conversation about that. What did she say? And she was just like, oh, like it's what I was told to do. I'm sorry and all that stuff. But uh, I feel like I'm an anomaly of a lot of my Filipino friends in Pittsburgh because I have taken the initiative to at least learn Tagalog. Because I do take classes for that. Marunong ka mag-Tagalog? Ah, konti lang. Okay. It's hard. Ang hirap naman. Yeah. Masyadong mahirap. But trying to get better, of course. Siyempre naman. Um, <laughs> and it, it's something, you know, that just bothers me. And I'm like, is that something, product of the 90s? I know. Today on Partially Pinoy, we speak with Alex Grubbs. Alex is an aspiring multimedia journalist and clubhouse fixture who grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to a Filipino mother and part Indian white American father. His experience has made him an advocate for raising the Filipino voice in America. Alex and I cover a lot of topics helpful to anyone trying to understand their mixed race identity or anyone raising mixed race children including what he wishes he could go back in time to change and why he is now so driven to explore and understand his Filipino culture. This is Partially Pinoy, and we are powered by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. Alex, how did your parents meet? How my parents met is a typical American Filipino military way. <laughs> um, my dad was stationed over in the Philippines in the early 90s, and one of my titas actually like worked on the base and was like, "Oh, you know, my niece is uh, single." Da da da. And basically, like they met at a bar, and now they've been together for I think 26 years, 27 years. It's literally how that works. Wow, they hit it off. Yeah. And so where were you born? So I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, more more precisely Monroeville, because, um, you know, everyone's like just growing up. I just want to bring this up because people are always like, oh, go back to your country. And you're like, what do you talk about? I grew <laughs> up. I was born down the street. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. And and so your parents then they met and married in the Philippines, which part of the Philippines? No, they actually got married here. So my mom came here. And then within weeks, my parents got married in a courthouse in like Allegheny County in Pittsburgh. So they actually, so they met there and then he came back here and then she like followed him. Yeah. So they like they met, but they stayed as like pen pals okay. for a bit. This is in the early 90s? The early 90s. Okay. So they're just writing letters to each other. And, you know, my, my Lula, and I say Lula because in Bisaya, that's mm -hmm. Lola. So my Lula was like, He's the one, and I think it's because uh, she has really bad arthritis, and he got her some Bengay. <laughs> and then my, my my Lula told my mom, she's like, he's the one, you have to go for him. And then basically pen piled, and then he asked her to come to the U.S., and she was like, okay. And wow. then they got here to married, and again, they've been together for almost three decades now. So. Oh my gosh, somebody needs to tell Ben Gay about this. <laughs> yeah, Ben Gay's the reason why my parents are together. <laughs> You were born. You're the you're the older yeah, of the two of you, right? Yeah, I'm the oldest. I have a brother. I I was born like four years after they got married. Okay. So it's interesting too because I was born like on the fourth year anniversary of my mom coming to the U.S. Too. So like on the exact date. Wow. Yeah. I was it like, was what meant are the to be. Yeah. 
So you were born in, in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Grew up in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. As we all know, of being mixed children, your dad's your dad, your mom's your mom. Yeah. You're not thinking about them culturally or separating yeah. them culturally. But at some point, you had to realize that you came from at least a racially atypical family. When did that first sort of dawn on you? And how did it come up? Yeah, I feel like I was always hyper aware of it because I was like one of only. You know, when you walk around, you're like, oh, like I have an Asian looking mother, you know? And I think for me specifically, my dad was in the military, especially when I was a kid. So there was times where he was gone for a while. So I was with my mom and then my Lula and just all the time. So you could just see the differences of how the walk of life was, you know, compared to, you know, my, my aunts, you know, my white aunt. And what so, were those differences? It's just like culturally the way people interact. Uh, I think even then my mom said, like, when we go to the doctor's office, like she always had like my aunt with it just for help and stuff. And they would assume like, my mother was like their daughter and I was like a son and she's like, no, this is my kid. Like it's me. Um, but yeah. And I think people are hyper aware too, bringing up, Oh, cause my mom, she looks different. I grew up more in like a white black community. So we were just like one little mixed Asian family <laughs> in this neighborhood. And even in my grade, the only Asians in my grade, they're both half Filipino. Isn't that something I look more at? Yeah. yeah interesting. When, when did you first start having freckles? I think I always had them. It's okay. interesting, like mix. Yeah. Yeah, people bring up. Yeah. So I have a friend who's Filipino white and she also has freckles. And she's maybe there are a lot of you guys, yeah. but I I don't know that there are a lot of you guys that I've personally seen. Yeah. But it's been interesting for her as well. She's had interesting experiences with freckles, especially when she travels to Asia. Yeah. Because you know, people don't know what to do with them because mm-hmm. she looks Asian, but then she has freckles yeah. and she's even had people who maybe gave her a facial and they were like trying to take them off because they weren't sure. Yeah, I think it's interesting having them. It's just like who I am. But yeah, I think people bring that up all the time. They'll be like, oh my God, I didn't realize you had freckles. I was like, because I'm in the sun. I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then and then Filipino culture exposure yeah. seems to just have been there yeah. all the time. But what specifically do you remember that felt very Filipino at home that you know for sure did not exist outside of your home? Well, yeah, I mean, the teleseries always. You had like GMA or like TFC on and I'm like, that's very specific. I don't know anything they're saying, but I will watch it (laughs) anyway. The chicken adobo, of course. Pancit, lumpia. People aren't having that, but I knew I was having it (laughs) all the time. Um, especially when you brought friends over and they're like, what is this? I'm like, don't even question it. Just eat it. And then, <laughs> and then have an opinion later. Um, good and, for you. Yeah. And then language wise, what was your exposure? Yeah. So that, this is actually interesting. I've talked about this so much and I like hate it now as someone who is, you know, in their mid twenties. So when I growing up, I, you know, when I was very little in preschool, you know, I was exposed to Tagalog, Visaya, just because proximity and my, you know, my Lula was there and her English isn't amazing. So it's kind of easier to do that. But when I went to preschool, apparently just a little kid brain just started throwing words at people and they didn't understand. And my teacher told my mom, oh, you should probably keep stick him to English. Well, I know you're shaking your head. I'm that like, is I so know. wrong on and so many levels. I know. And like, you know, and. 
I was so mad about that, especially as an adult. And I think once I went back to the Philippines as an adult for the first time, because I've been there as a kid to visit, I was like, why, like, well, how did this get to this point? And my mom that and I- That you don't speak the language. Yeah, like any of them. And I remember sitting with my mom and we like had like an hours long conversation about that. What did she say? And she was just like, oh, like, it's what I was told to do. I'm sorry and all that stuff. But uh, I feel like I'm an anomaly of a lot of my Filipino friends in Pittsburgh because I have taken the initiative to at least learn Tagalog because I do take classes for that. Marunong ka mag-Tagalog? Ah, konti lang. Okay. It's hard. I'm heat up the man. <laughs> yeah, masyadong mahit up. But trying to get better, of course, syempre naman. Um, <laughs> and it, it's something, you know, that just bothers me. And I'm like, is that something, product of the 90s? I know. So, okay, let me yeah. ask you, since this is something that hits your heart and it hits mine as well, yeah. because, you know, I grew up in the Philippines and I speak both Tagalog and Farsi. Yeah. And the way my mom taught me Farsi is that A, she absolutely had to speak it to me all the time. Mm -hmm. But she got to a point where she said to me, Layla, I am not going to answer you unless you answer back in Farsi. Like, we are not going to have the conversation. And I resented it in the moment. And I think a lot of parents don't want to go through that. But that is what it took. It was, mm -hmm. it took for her to say, the conversation ends if you speak to me in English. Yeah. But I think what's interesting, and I don't, you know, like I can speak Farsi, I can't necessarily read it, maybe just at a first grade level. But Tagalog is interesting because I went to English school and you learn, there's like a Tagalog class language where you're learning it. And then in history class as well, there's a lot of Tagalog terms. But that's really it. Like at school, your exposure to Tagalog, because everybody speaks English, we already know this in mm -hmm. Manila. Your exposure to Tagalog is limited and maybe the streets. So even then I feel like even someone who spent the first 12 years of my life so much exposure, it's still a challenge, mm -hmm. you know? So I think we can't underestimate the power. I think if there are parents listening to this, obviously start early. Teach them. Teach them. Teach them. But yeah, so <laughs> my next question for you is going to be, if you now, knowing what you know, what, how would you do differently with your future children? Well, yeah, 100%. I think... You know, I, I read this like one book, I can't think it off the top of my head. It's basically on your 20s, like being in your 20s. And this is the time now to invest. I know there's like, you know, there might be people around like the same similar age, you know, bracket. But the time now is to invest in that. For me, I want to become fluent in this language and then Bisaya, of course. But I want to become fluent because I want my kids to be fluent because how how attached are they going to be with the culture if I'm having questions as someone who is half, who hasn't like, you know, sees that. And I th think it's very important that, hey, like you might, you know, I have a white girlfriend at the moment and she's like, putte, of course. And like, I'm, you know, half putte and like, what's going to happen? You know, when I have kids and they're not attached, I don't want this to be like, oh, that's Lola's thing. No, this is our thing. <laughs> you might be white, but you know, Filipino, Filipino all day, mukang Filipino, all yeah. that stuff. Well, actually, you don't look it, but I mean, you can speak it. <laughs> has your girlfriend been to the Philippines? No, she hasn't. Okay. My girlfriend hasn't been to the Philippines, but I've taken her like through every Filipino everything here in LA, <laughs> back in Pittsburgh, and yeah. she's probably overwhelmed of how insane we are in the greatest way possible. Yeah. So I'm saying insane as like we're amazing people and we're just very vibrant. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's she's, what's she's like quiet, right? Yeah, you were saying she's kind of more on the introverted, maybe quiet side. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't know how it was in your home, but I know growing up in the Philippines, or a lot of Filipinos have a clean kitchen and a dirty kitchen. Mm -hmm. So we know what's cooked in the dirty kitchen. Almost nothing is cooked in the clean kitchen. But that is not the truth here. Everything is just cooked in one kitchen. And so many times your home just smells like your food. Was that ever a concern for you, like bringing people over? Or did you make sure you had like great friends who just sort of got you and... Yeah. We're cool with everything. No, I think the one thing I was always hesitant about is when my mom had durian. Because <laughs> I'm like, I know this is going to be an experience that you will not forget. Because <laughs> I still remember it. Yeah. I feel it. Or, I mean, even then, like, I've had friends come over. They're like, why is there a pig head just, like, roasted, chilling on a plate in the kitchen? <laughs> I'm just like, look, I don't know how to explain it. Just vibe with it. <laughs> yeah, it was fun actually bringing people home because it kind of exposed them to it. But... Sometimes you're like, do I always have to be at the forefront? I have to worry about that. Like, oh, what's it going to be like when, you know, I bring this around? Or I always have to explain what this is. And even, like, I put together and made lumpia for my girlfriend's family. I think this was back for Thanksgiving or Christmas. And I'm just like, how are they going to react to this? Because I know it's bomb. But I'm like, now I got to explain. And they're probably not going to call it lumpia anyway. And I'm very cognizant of it. And I know people have gotten me on me on it. I was like, I'm not calling it an egg roll because it's not an egg roll. It's not an egg roll. It is lumpia. Yeah. And I'm not going to make it easier. I was like, if you can pronounce Matthew McConaughey, you can pronounce lumpia. Or Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that, that's how I feel. And it's just like, let's put respect on the name. Here you go. Yeah. Eat it. But they loved it. Yeah. And of course, the banana sauce, too. was. Mm. It's always the, you know... The icing on top of the cake when it comes to that. Yeah. But it's yeah. always something you worry about. Actually, listening to you now, I am reminded of two things. One is that I have a friend who's half Swedish, and I remember having herring in his home. And for some reason, nobody thinks of herring as being, like, weird. But it's, you know, just as quote-unquote... I, I don't even want to use the word weird, but, you know, herring is also sort of out of your typical yeah. mainstream norm. But the other thought is that a lot of people who grow up with like american dishes and american foods like maybe because it's so normalized i think I, there's probably an odor there as well that to me feels probably more in like the unhealthy like if you were to kind of yeah. put, put like identify an odor that goes with typically american food it's like yeah, this is like greasy the, yeah sort of those those um smells of uh exactly the grease but but just kind of unhealthiness yeah. like you know what happens when you add like all this junk food and yeah. like the cereal and the twinkies and yeah. you mash them all up and you put them in a kitchen <laughs> yeah I, j I always joke around. I was like, when I go over, like, my family's house or, like, maybe a more traditional American home, everything just smells like potato salad to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I feel like I feel like it's just, you understand what I'm talking about. It's just potato salad. Yeah. That's how I feel. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. So now you have a little brother. Yeah. You're growing up in Pittsburgh. You're having friends over. You're a wary Filipino. Does your dad come back into the mix as being home like more often or yeah. how does that or how often are you seeing him anyway when he's traveling and then when does he sort of settle down and I've I've grew up with a different experience than my brother has 100% because you know not only do I look more Asian than him especially in the eyes because he doesn't I didn't have my dad regularly in the picture until I was like 8 because he was in the military so I grew up with Asian women, you know what I mean? Like Filipino women. And I even bring up, like, I do say like, oh, you know, I grew up more in this white 
Filipino like duality, but even my grandmother, she was half South Asian, like Indian. So that's even throws into another mix. But Which grandma? On my dad's side. What your dad is a quarter Indian? Yeah, but it's so he looks white. Mm-hmm. He like lived a very white life, basically. You know, so you're one eighth Indian. Yeah, oh it, it's a definitely a mix, but okay. it's just like yeah. So I to me, I was like, I grew up with all these you know Asian women, and then you know my white aunts. So that that's me. I grew up with all these like to me, it's just like all these powerful women, and then now my dad comes home, and I'm like, oh, this is different because even then, like all, all my aunts were like divorced too. And then all my, you know, my Filipino family, they're all in the Philippines. So it's just like, I've lived this weird experience, weird life that's very unique to me. You were actually aware of this? Yeah. As a kid, I was aware of it. And I think when my dad came back, um, there was a lot of resentment. It's not his fault. It's just like the nature of the, the path that he took. Because now, like, he gets to do all this stuff with my brother. I was like, well, I learned how to tie my shoes without you. And I learned how to ride a bike without you. And I lost my first tooth without you and all that stuff. So, and I feel like I was hypersensitive to the fact that, like, oh, who's going to protect my mom? And I feel like I had to shoulder this responsibility at a young age that I don't think we've ever had that conversation when I was young. So you mean there was never a conversation in your family about your dad's transition back? Yeah, it felt like... I went from being around a lot of like Filipino women and it like there was like a hard stop because my mom got really busy with work, you know, as soon as like my dad came back. So it went from my mom always being in the picture to my dad always being in the so picture. So she hadn't been working before? Like she was, but it, I felt her presence more. It's weird mm. as a kid. But when I got older, I'm just like, where are you? You know what I mean? Because she's busy with work and all that stuff. So when you say a lot of Filipino women, you're talking about your mom, my mom, your grandmother, my grandmother, her, all my mom's friends. friends. Okay. Because that, that's how it is over here in the U.S. Like your Filipino community, it's just like they might not be your actual tita and tito, but they are because that's like your de facto family here. Because yeah. a lot of your family isn't there. Well, that might be more prevalent on the East Coast. I don't know. And it yeah. might also be more prevalent if your mom is Filipino. Yeah. For me, with my dad, who's Filipino, it's not It's not at all yeah. that experience. So, yeah, it just they all banded together. And, you know, being around all of that, and then you throw this mix, and I was like, oh, so how do I navigate this? Yeah, and, and how did you navigate it? Yeah, I think it kind of, like, switched. I think that's where I got more connected with, like, my whiteness in that. Because it's like, it was more of my dad, like, being in the picture, like, with everything when I was a teenager, too. So I'm like growing up in this interesting mix and then i because i feel like looking back as my childhood like as, when i was a kid i felt very connected with being filipino but when i became like older i felt like i was sidelined and as sidelined I, like, by like sidelined as in like i'm growing up next to the culture i don't feel like Filipinos. as into it yeah because uh-huh. i even talked to a lot of my friends they they were involved in the dance troupe they were doing all this stuff i didn't do that as a teenager like wow yeah so i felt very like one moment it was very connected and then as a teenager i felt like oh kind of got like stripped away. We'll return to our show and hear more from our guest in just a moment. I remember the one time me and my friend Kayla, like we're we're both half Filipino. I remember there was an academic breakfast and we had to leave class to go. We were the only two that got up to go. I was like, are you sh- are you serious? I'm like, are you serious? It's like, here we are reinforcing stereotypes. This show is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia, powered by Podmetrics. 
Podmetrics takes care of the details so we can focus on making the best content for you. Visit podmetrics.co and sign up for free. Use code PARTIALLYPINOY. So yeah, you said that you got connected to your whiteness. What does that even mean? Yeah, I mean, it's like interesting, but it's just like your traditional like white dad. <laughs> like, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's just like, I that I empathize with people like, you know, the da- white dad jokes and all that stuff. <laughs> it's just like, that's that's more who I was around more as a teenager. And Did he make you play baseball? No, that's the one thing he was like, I don't want you ever play. Okay. He was like, I don't have the patience for it. I was like, me either. <laughs> but yeah, it's just throughout this whole thing, there's never any questions about identity. There was never, even though I felt like I had all these questions, I didn't know how to voice. No one brought it up. And I'm like, how am I experiencing this right now? Yeah. So tell me, this is so fascinating for a lot of people, maybe who grew up with a lot of silence around identity tied to culture. Even though it was expo- there was exposure that, yeah, how... Do you feel like you needed to process it, but maybe you weren't invited to? I remember the one time I was like 16, 17, maybe I was working at a movie theater and you know, like the person who like rips the tickets and this woman came up to me and was like, oh, so do you identify as Asian American? And she literally said it like that. I'm like, what? And then I was like, well, that's a good question though. I mean, not for you to ask me, but for me to ask myself. It was a gift. Yeah. So at first I was like, why I, I feel like i should be offended because why are you asking me this like un like this is like an unprompted question you just came out of nowhere with that i'm like minding my business at work but at the same time it's just like what's well, true like what do i identify as um because you say asian and like i feel like that's a very vague term even though we're because so many communities all put together and even filipino is a very diverse word so many communities that were just put lumped together and we're like hey this is the philippines um but yeah, I was like, well, what is that? And what do I put down on paper? Because that's around when SATs were coming up and you're applying for school. And I'm like, what do I put? Because at the time, you know, it wasn't even that long ago. This was like within the last decade of doing this stuff. Like you can only pick one. And I'm like, well, I'm not, I couldn't, I can't sit here and say I'm white because that's the least ethnic, well, ethnically, that's the least I am. But I'm not just Asian, so where do I fall in this? And I think that's where the questions come up. And, you know, my parents, there was never conversation. You know what I mean? And I think for a lot of people who are mixed, it's never a conversation. Like, who are you? What are you? Yeah. Let's have this conversation. Yeah, it's just like, what do I identify as? What? Who am I? And who is guiding me in this and figuring this out? And I was just confused. And it, it kind of, like, brings up, I was like, that's why... You, you find these answers to these questions. I was like, I wish my grandmother was still around because I'm like, we could have had conversations about it because I always wondered, oh, my dad, I'm talking about my dad's mother. I was like, oh, why did she have such a special bond with me and my brother? I was like, because we probably lived a similar experience. And I never was attuned to it as a young kid, even though she might not be Filipino, but she's dealt with being half Asian in a way, especially like she grew up in like the 30s, the 40s, 50s, a different time. And that's where I kind of like started opening up. Let me peel back the layers a bit. You were a teenager at this point or this was getting into college? Yeah, it was like teenager getting into college time. So I started peeling those layers back. Of course, your first history assignment was like, here's a topic to write for a paper. I was like, all right, I'm gonna write about the Philippine-American war. And then I was just like, this just opened a can of worms. I feel like I'm getting inundated with all this information that I feel like was robbed from me. It started there and it keeps going deeper of like everything that's happened. Even you think about here, 
like the miscegenation laws, like someone like me couldn't have existed not even that long ago because it was illegal to do that. And then you're just, my whole identity has switched in that where it's like, I'm learning so much about myself and it's not that far long ago where someone like me wouldn't have been able to exist in a place like this. Why, while all of this was unfolding or unraveling, what were you doing to expose yourself to, let's say, you know, in addition to the Filipino-American war, for example, were you kind of studying up on the history? Did you start getting curious about the language? And when did all of that sort of get added into this? Yeah, I think that's what happened. And then, you know, like we have the Filipino-American Association of Pittsburgh. And like, I've been to events before. It's just like, I'm Filipino, of course I've been there. Um, but then I, I was like, I'm all, I want to actively start getting more involved that I'm present, I'm here. And I can't sit here and say I didn't try by myself because I can complain about, oh, I wish my mom did this. I wish my dad actually like was even more involved in this and all this stuff. But then I had to take some personal responsibility. What do I want to do? Started getting involved in like, basically just, I have a camera just shooting events for them and like doing stuff and being there, being part of the experience. So I started to get that. And then even some of my you know, Filipino friends in Pittsburgh, I like, I wasn't really as connected with them. I was like, we started hanging out again and we started doing all this stuff, which is great because we all went to college, like not together, but like in similar, Pittsburgh is a bunch of colleges together. So everyone just kind of like hangs out. So that was great. And then I was like, okay, let me download like learningtagalog.com or whatever. And I bought, it was like $80, like lifetime membership at the time. I was like, bet. So I kind of like started learning dialogue through that. And then I'm like, okay, let me watch like a teleserie and like, you know, with the English subtitles and just to get more involved with it in that way. Cause I'm like, I don't live at home anymore. Like at the time I could, I could hear it all day, you know, either someone's screaming on the phone, which is all at like three in the morning because of the time difference, uh, over on the East coast, which my mother still does to this day. And like just the TV shows that I had around, it's just like, okay, how as an adult am I going to immerse myself back into this? So once you turned eight, your dad stayed home pretty much the rest of yeah. the time. Tell me about their relationship and his embracing of the culture and, and what you sort of saw within that dynamic. Or was it just really about them and their relationship? Or was there some like cultural stuff they had to either overcome or embrace? Or yeah, I think and I actually called my dad out on this like recently because my mom was doing something. I forgot what it was. And then you know, asking me a question about it. And then he was like, well, he's not Filipino. I was like, wait, back up. I am Filipino. Well, you know, citizenship wise, even though I guaranteed it, what's the process goes through because it's a blood right. I just got my dual citizenship and I got yeah. it for all of our kids. The best feeling. Yeah, it's, it's not only my blood right for it. It's just like, but I am it. I walk this life. It saddens me, but at the same time, I'm like, this might be more of a conversation of the structures that are in place that, you know, ended up in you know, me not knowing this or, you know, them not even knowing it because I have to contextualize it to the 90s to you're just trying to, you know, put food on the table and it's much different than, you know, someone who's me. Now, oh, I'm in my 20s. I just travel everywhere. Like I have a good paying job, like I good benefits, add social media in it. We're connected in a way that was never something like that back then yeah. where I could talk to anybody, any Filipino, any time of the day, yeah. uh, if I really want to. So interesting. It is interesting. And also the environment in which like they were raising you may not have necessarily supported uh, all of these, uh, you know, 
cultural norms constantly being fed to the kids exactly as you say that you know here they are trying to put food on the table trying to exist keeping their marriage together which is in and of itself yeah. an amazing amazing feat uh it feels almost like cultural integration like is a peripheral thing yeah unless it's you know, very intentional and very deliberate, yeah. especially when you're outside of the culture in a completely different yeah. country. And I also have to give it to my mom, too. It's just like, look, you are across the world, away from your whole family and your husband's in the military. So now you're here and, you know, she brought her mother there. And it's just, even though there's all these friends here, it's just like, it's you two at the home. Yeah. And here's my other family members. They don't know anything. And I don't expect them to know the languages or the cultural nuances because they're not, the first time they've been introduced to it was my mother, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, they, yeah, but even I bring up though, I was like, they still had to put respect on Lupia. That's all I gotta <laughs> say. You gotta say it correctly. When you got to college, you really started diving into maybe the history of the Philippines, started spending time with other Filipinos or half Filipinos. What did you find emerging for yourself emotionally as you're getting to know yourself better. It was so frustrating. You know, I think for, you know, everyone, it's so frustrating because you're like, why couldn't I have had this as a kid? This would have been so much easier because I think for everyone, like once you become an adult, everyone's forging themselves. Um, and all these constructs that we had on ourselves as kids, like kind of starting to go out the window or we're trying to unravel that or what that was. What, who am I? You know what I mean? I think, and I feel like, especially with me being in broadcast, am I acting this role? Like, am I doing this? Just because, you know, we're on camera, we have to be a certain way and all that stuff. Do you think at this point where we are in America, you know, how the conversation around race is evolving, do you think it's now, at this very moment, an advantage to be a person of color? Or do you think it's still a disadvantage? I think it's a combination of both, right? where it's like, now people have to see, we're here, we've been here, this isn't new. Did you know that I learned that Filipinos most likely stepped on American soil before Columbus? Yeah. In like, Morro Bay in the 1600s, mm -hmm. did you know this? Yeah. Okay. It's something interesting, even in like Louisiana, like we're, we fit out here. Um, I'm not here for Filipino erasure at all because we get erased out of everything. Honest, well, at least in contextual American media, because you know we have a lot of people who have been Filipino, but they're not in Filipino roles. Why aren't they written to be Filipino? Uh, and I always bring this up too, like High School Musical. Well, Vanessa Hudgens is half Filipino. Why is she written to be like a Latina? She's not, because she you could have gave her the same name and made her Filipino. Yeah, Gabriela Montez. Yeah, period. Yeah, period. She's Filipino. We yeah. would have known that. It, I'm happy that we're finally. Like at a place where it's like, hey, we're here. We've been here. Know this. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, it is a disadvantage because look, our elders are getting attacked on the streets. Of course, we have some bad actors within our community as well who, you know, perpetuate some of these things and anti-blackness, of course, and post-colonial like mentality and things like that, that we're still unraveling. Being represented is just, there's so many things that go into it. We just, we need everybody at the table. And even though the table may have not been built for us, uh, there's value of us being there. My friend Will and I put together a nonprofit for our high school.
we're working on putting that together, whether we start with like a 5K, I know we're talking about it. We're kind of like in the very early stages. We just like applied for nonprofit status. But yeah, and we, we've done stuff. We reinstated like the wall of fame, which was like literally dead for like 11 years. We brought it back and just started to honor some of the alumni for the great things that they've done. And just to show the students, hey, like you could do it too. Because I remember sitting there, I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Here I am. How many years later? I'm like, we wouldn't be sitting here right now. Like I would not like have been thinking about, yeah, I'm just mindlessly, you know, in Los Angeles talking on a podcast about being Filipino. When I was in high school, that never crossed my mind whatsoever. You didn't even know your identity in no. that way. Yeah. Your Filipino identity. Yeah. You weren't that connected to it. Can we talk about that for just a second? Yeah. So you you were in high school in a predominantly white and black mm -hmm. community and you were the only Asian of three, it in my like? In my grade, there's like, there's Asian people within our school, like Vietnamese, some Chinese, mm. but it wasn't like... Did it ever come up or were you guys just sort of invisible or were you just Asians? What, what would come up in that context? Oh yeah, like we were just Asian, yeah. honestly. Yeah. And it, it, it kind of, and then I feel like we were reinforcing stereotypes because I was at the top of my class. I remember the one time, me... And my friend Kayla, like we're we're both half Filipino. I remember there was an academic breakfast, and we had to leave class to go. And we were the only two that got up to go. I was like, "Are you are you serious?" I'm like, "Are you serious?" It's like here we are reinforcing stereotypes. When in this entire context did you meet your girlfriend? Before that, did you find attraction within a particular race? or color or like who what kinds of people were you dating at this point until the point you met your girlfriend yeah i think that's like interesting to bring up i mean i think as a teenager though i, I felt like it was more white and i feel like contextually it made sense um just because that's my proximity at the time um but as an adult like i i don't have a preference it which is interesting because i have a white girlfriend in college i didn't date anybody because like I didn't have time. Like literally, like I had no time because I was working like three jobs. I'm like full-time in school. But yeah, I just, I'd never had like, as an adult, I realized I don't have a preference and I know I'm dating a white girl, but that doesn't mean that, you know, she is just her race either. And at the same time, she's more than that. It, it, it's been interesting going through, uh, through that process because I have a lot of more questions. And this is more to myself and less about her, more about me, where it's like, so I'm going to be a Filipino dad one day. So how does that work? And, you know, I'm very cognizant that, you know, I think a lot of us have this weird insecurity that are we diluting the culture a bit, especially now we're in a day that we are fighting so hard to regain it back. I've thought that those very thoughts as well. I, I completely understand. And so how do you deal with being a Filipino dad that you've never seen modeled for you, having a white girlfriend, potentially wife someday, and then having to almost feel like, what what do you feel when you kind of put it all together? You think, well, well couldn't I just sort of, for optics, just like be with an Asian or couldn't I, you know, what, 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 tell me about that? Like navigating all those feelings. Yeah. I just think, well, optically you'd be like, oh, I could be this nice little like Filipino family. But like, realistically, it's not about that. It's like, we know how we navigate relationships. It's about the feeling, you know, love is love. And we should be able to be with anybody we want to be with. And we feel that connection with. So, but it, there's still like guilt and it's not any, it's not her fault. 
has nothing to do with her. It has a lot more to do with me. You know, I was actually talking to, you know, a friend the other day and he was like, oh, I'm such a bad Filipino. I'm not connected with anything. I was like, there's no such thing as a bad Filipino and contextualized with identity. Because at the end of the day, you still are. Whether you are just speak English, whether you don't want to engage with it, you're still in community with us. You are still one with us. And that I think that's very important to bring out because not everyone, we don't need to hit these objectives to be like, this is how I'll become most Filipino. What would you advise people like you who are going through an identity exploration because of either being half Filipino or just mixed race in general? My advice for people who are going through, you know, this process of finding their identity within this aspect is just, we're valid. Too many times people tell us, oh, you're not this enough. You're not that enough. I am, actually. Don't tell me otherwise. My personal journey of being Filipino is, again, my personal journey. Uh, nobody can tell me that I'm right or wrong in this because, one, it's not the same experience. You know, not everyone has the same experience. And how can you deny my identity as being Filipino when I've, this is my life? You know, I grew up with a Filipino mother, Filipino family, Filipino friends, and all that. I am Filipino. You may feel like you're alone. But there's so many people who are experiencing stuff like you. And you telling your story and being there can help so many other people. And I, I've learned that myself. Be the person that you wish that the younger you had. And that's what I'm trying to do now. So that's the type of person I want to be. And, you know, and if I could help other people in their journey, I'm here for it. I think two of the lessons you've taught today, one is that your identity is what you decide it to be. And... Two is that when you're searching for that identity, it's really difficult to do it without truly understanding where you come from and all of the little things that make that culture, including the language, the food, the history. And I think that's very beautiful. It's just very proud to be Filipino because if I'm not proud, who's going to be proud? You know what I mean? For myself, again, the amount of connections that you may like make out of it met so many great people that I didn't even I would never have known had I not started this journey with myself like years ago and the enriched relationships I've had with the Filipinos I've already had in my life that I see them differently I empathize with them more and I know and I can contextualize what they had to go through you know something I couldn't do as a kid my mom being an immigrant mother from the Philippines as a kid I'm like oh yeah I'm aware of it things but now I'm like you did that you did that. And even though like, I have to work hard to reclaim some of that back, it's just like, but we could do this together. And that's where I'm at. So just excited, proud to be Pinoy. Partially Pinoy is a Podcast Network Asia production in partnership with Bridger Media in Los Angeles. Our show is developed and executive produced by Leila Jerusalem. The series is produced by Nikai Lucanias.
The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.